Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Welcome back, everybody, to The Spark. This is, uh, in true fashion, we're going to go off the rails a little bit. It's not like Project Archivist. I don't know how many more times I have to state that before a show starts. But uh, tonight we have on our uh, friend, the Living Dead Girl, who's been on our show quite a few times, and she's been on The Spark at least once before. So uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, places where bodies have been found that are relatively strange. How are you, my friend? Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> I'm all right. How are you, Lobo? I can't complain. No one listens anyway. <laughs> nice, nice. Ah, yeah. So I'm here, and I thought maybe we could talk about dead bodies in strange places. Sure. I'm all, I'm all up for it. Sounds good to me. <clears throat> all right, then. You want to start, or shall I? You start. You're the guest here. Okay. Well... I was doing a little bit of research before the show, and I think that we should start with the most ironic yet hilarious ones. I found a couple of cases where dead bodies were found on the set of CSI. (laughs) So nothing better than a show about finding dead people and then actually finding a dead person. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one was in 2006 during the filming of CSI in New York, inside the building where production was underway, a building engineer found a mummified corpse. What makes the case even creepier is the episode actually involved the plot with the mummified body. So, <laughs> That's Surprise! bizarre. I mean, how, do you, how many times have you uh, been into, in a building and just thought about what might be just beneath your feet? You know what? I didn't think about that until my father came back from Italy and... They have some exceptionally uh, strict rules when you're building, especially yep. if you find any uh, with historical value. So that you have to bring in archaeologists, etc. And the base near, I think it's Rome, he would go into the commissary and a large portion of the floor was actually glass and you could look down and there were Roman artifacts that were undisturbed. So they were able to build over it, but they had to build glass. and. That's uh, really cool. Yeah, yeah, they had to um, reinforce it with steel so that they wouldn't have anything touching what was originally there. It was really interesting. But, no, I didn't think about it until then. I just walked into buildings. La, la, la. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I've, ever since I was a little kid, I've always had a fascination with basements and just dark places. So when I walk into a building, the first thing I think about is, what's beneath my feet? How quickly can I get down there? And is it anything cool? Really? Yeah. I was terrified of basements. Oh, no, I loved them. The ba- when I was little, um, the house that we moved into when I was about two and a half years old was a uh, Victorian-era house, and the basement was uh-huh. dirt and fieldstone. The walls were fieldstone. Uh-huh. And that just we found all manner of strange things in that basement. And uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, a lot of the older houses have sump pumps in them around here. Mm-hmm. And one night my father left the bulkhead open and we heard a god awful noise in the middle of the night. And in the morning we mm-hmm. woke up to a cat that had been electrocuted in the sump pump. Oh no. Yeah, it wasn't Poor cool. Kitty. Yeah, I felt bad for the cat until my father threw it over the fence behind the house 
and then I would go back every single day to watch the decomposition of the animal. Oh my god, dude. So yeah. wait. <laughs> Surprise, dead body. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, let's see. Okay, so the other case with CSI, it was actually CSI Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, they, let's see here. I'm, I'm digging through my research here. So while they were filming in the Bicentennial Park in Miami, Florida, they were attempting to get aerial footage when the officer actually spotted a dead body floating just a few yards from the set oh, man. location. <laughs> That's so gross. And, and bodies in the water are worse oh my God, than a lot of other bloating. bodies that you'll find. Oh. We've, yeah. We've seen the uh, firsthand uh, what happens to a human body when it's been left in the water and salt water at that it's not pretty you have oh yeah absolutely why uh we were down in old saybrook when i was a little kid and someone had drowned they were out on a boat and they had drowned and they were washed up on the shore where we were playing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they'd been out there for quite a few days they were not it was not a pretty sight Fish have a tendency to take the Ew. softer parts first. Oh my god! So what yeah. kind of childhood did you have? Um, sir? I, I managed to find a lot of strange things. A lot of times, I wasn't even looking for it when it happened. So there's that. <laughs> All right then. Oh my god! Yeah, I've had I've been involved <laughs> with the macabre and morbid my entire life. <clears throat> Well, looks like we just fit in with one another Absolutely. now, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> so, every time I bring up a dead body, it seems like you've got a personal story about it. Oh, dear. And frankly, I don't think I've actually seen a dead body outside of a morgue. Really? No. Huh. You say that as if it's not normal. I'd say it's not normal to be playing as a child <laughs> and come across a drowning victim. Well... In retrospect, I would have to say that that is a correct assumption. <laughs> You're just like, it's not it's it's not normal for me. See, I mean, when I was growing What's up, that? we didn't... It, I, I didn't see a lot of human corpses. I mean, I've seen a handful. I've seen a lot of other dead stuff. Like, a lot of other dead stuff. Well, you're by the woods, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you were, yeah, that that seems pretty normal to me. You know, I I spent a lot of time in the woods, you know, around farmland, and I mean, you see all manner of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, we're not in a, we're not definitely not in a big city at all here, not even close. I mean, the closest big right. city is like a half an hour drive from here, and that's not even a big city considering it's just like the capital of the of the state. The closest big city is New York, and that's an hour and change away. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're a kid, you're growing up in the woods and stuff, playing out in backyards and, you know, doing things that normal, quote-unquote, boys do, because there weren't a whole lot of girls hanging out with us at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm talking right. about, like, late 70s, early 80s. There wasn't a whole lot of mm-hmm. girls in our neighborhood that were out running around with us, you know, turning over logs and poking dead things with sticks, you know. Sounds like a blast. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of that, go for it. Sorry, no, no, uh, no. Don't, don't mean to interrupt your no. your childhood memoir of I found a dead thing by Lobo. Okay. <laughs> it's just... Anyway, I'm gonna bring up like a whole bunch of cases here that I researched, and what's gonna happen is every single one of them, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, that totally happened to me. Oh god, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. I don't well, need to look see. like more of a freak than I already am. <laughs> well, I'll I'll go through them, and then you let me know. Okay. Here's one that's close to uh, our dear friend Ro. Mm-hmm. In 2009, an elevator shaft near an abandoned Detroit warehouse discovered a body encased in ice with its legs exposed. Holy crap. So no one knows what happened. They believe that a homeless person got stuck in the elevator shaft 
while he was trying to get something. But why would he be frozen? Yikes. And then legs sticking out, I just, that's a little disturbing. So did that happen when you were a child out in the woods, Connecticut? Uh, not a human, no. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. No, no humans. We okay. found uh, woodchucks and uh, foxes that were frozen in the water, dead. Okay, yeah, I've seen that before. No humans. Now, I, I mean, in pictures. <laughs> no, that's just fresh in the summer when people go out for fishing trips. <laughs> well, you know, you don't, you know, you don't often freeze in the summertime. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, here's a good one. Okay, so since you said you're an hour and a half away from New York, mm-hmm. in 2008, security discovered in a New York Spotlight Live club, Little Kim's 33rd birthday party, a woman named Ingrid Rivera. She was 24 years old, was found dead in the rooftop utility closet. She had been thrown out of the party for being too drunk, and apparently she had been beaten with what looks like a champagne bottle and was left for dead in the closet. Ugh, I remember reading about this. I remember reading about this. It sounds more like a forensic files case. Yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, a lot of shady stuff goes on in New York, so mm, I can't really Mm -hmm. be surprised, but that's got to be a hell of a way to go out. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the, the, the poor bastard that found her. Yeah, that's got to be ab- abrupt. <laughs> you just go in there for what, like a broom? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, oh, miss, are you okay, miss? Yeah, yeah. that's got to be, that's got to be brutal. I mean, you, <laughs> I'm not happy when I find like a, you know, Something in the refrigerator that's like past due. I can't imagine walking into a utility closet and going, "Oh, what's that?" <laughs> oh my gosh! So, a man that talks casually about finding dead bodies in ponds or lakes gets mad about the mac and cheese in the back with a little bit of fuzz on it. No, it's not. It's not that I get mad. It's that I could have eaten that and didn't get a chance to. Uh, you know, you know, just okay. like the body. Oh God! I have to go. The connection's breaking up. I, I don't under. I can't hear you. Anyway, speaking of, here's another good one. <clears throat> In January 2013, 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson from Valdosta, Valdosta. Georgia, was found dead, rolled up inside of a gin mat in South Georgia Lounge. Mm-hmm. County High School, I think, is enunciated. The official investigation report said he was suffocated after falling into the mat while trying to retrieve a sneaker. However, the parents believe that his classmates murdered him. Yeah, see... That seems like a far stretch. Well... Who who reaches into a mat looking for a shoe? Well, here's the story with that. This, I've I've listened to and read... Oh, you know this one? Yes, I read a lot Mm -hmm. of articles on this particular case... What the kids used to do is the mat that's shown in the picture is mm-hmm. not is not a good representation of the size of the mat. It's that, one of those wrestling mats. Or yeah, wrestling big. They were big mats. mats. Okay. And what the kids used to okay. do is before going to gym, they would ditch their shoes and stuff in the mats, but the mats are usually laying on their side. Okay. And what happened was, from what I understand from the coroner's report and uh, some of the other forensic uh, evidence, the mat was stood up. When he went to go reach into it, he ca- he got lodged in there and couldn't move. The people that were, the parents, I don't want to cast aspersions on anybody, but the parents are out of line with this particular case as far as the evidence shows at this time. There's video surveillance. There were people that were in and around the area and there is no one coming or mm-hmm. going during that period of time. And least of all, not the people that the parents are trying to blame. One of the brothers that they're trying to blame was actually on a bus on his way to a wrestling match. So he couldn't have been there. So it's a huh. tough story. It's a tough story. Okay. So he dove in. He went in to first, get it and got and lost. Like, oh, is this is this like that case where the man... Um, we talked about the strange deaths where the guy... Uh, it was an idiot out here in Utah. He 
he was out in the caves and he, he was like six foot three and went and lodged himself into a tiny little yeah. side, like cave. Yeah. And it, it, they tried to get him out, but because he was so tall, he was stuck and he eventually suffocated mm-hmm. because you can't be upside down that long. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. He he uh, okay. was it uh, situational asphyxiation or something along those lines. I think was the okay. term that was used. Yeah, it's tough because when they mm-hmm. when they did the coroner's report on him, it was con- it was conducive with that particular kind of death. He wasn't he wasn't beaten. There was no you know blunt force trauma or anything at all. They had checked. There was some blood spatter that was close by, and when the blood spatter was analyzed, it wasn't his. And it wasn't anybody that mm-hmm. was currently in the school, so it was just blood that was left over from someone getting a bloody nose or someone in a fight. You know, you're in gym class, if you're wrestling or you know playing uh, basketball yeah. or something, you're going to get injured. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, there was some uh-huh. other there was some other uh, paper towels or napkins that had blood on them, and the the parents are like, oh, this is proof. And when they did a, a the uh, DNA analysis on it, it was female's blood, and it was. It was menstrual blood. It wasn't even like a nosebleed or something. So they didn't even have that. Okay. But for a while, the parents were very uh, adamant that you know the the police department was covering it up. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what the heck is the name of it? Uh, it's like the FBI, but it's George's version of the FBI, GBI. It's George's Bureau of Investigation. I didn't even know. Yeah. Do each state have their own bureau? Um, I, the larger states, I believe, do. I don't. I don't know if Connecticut huh. has one. But usually, like, all uh, right, then. the GBI has been involved in a lot of cases, and there were a few times where local law enforcement, like, like ran afoul of like doing some shady stuff, and the GBI is the one that ended up getting it straight and having to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, mm-hmm. they're they have. Uh, technology far and away more advanced than any local uh, law enforcement agency would be able to. So they're an asset. Some people see them as conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're trying to cover it up because, you know, so-and-so's father happens to kind of know a cop. Uh I I don't know. It's tough. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. I I just listened to recently another podcast that was covering... This case, maybe not even a month ago, uh-huh. I listened to another one. Wow! So, tried it, and it was. Oh, okay. I had heard it a few years ago on a, on a podcast. So to hear like an updated storyline was, it was interesting to hear how much it changed and what stayed the same. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So huh. there's right, my two cents. <laughs> okay then. Yeah, I, I didn't know that much about it, so. I can understand why a parent would want to do that, but you know, I it, it, it's sad if, the, if there's really nothing more than it was a really unfortunate accident. Yeah. Ah, on to brighter topics. <laughs> Something tells me nothing's going to get brighter. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you and I talking, and Rose not here to start making what is it? Dry herking noises. I don't even know how to describe what he does. Oh dry yeah, heaving. yeah, dry heaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so, uh, Joshua Scott from Alabama bought a five dollar teddy bear at a thrift shop, and when he got home, he discovered there was something a little odd about his teddy bear. It seemed a little hard in the middle, and so when he opened it up, he found an urn full of human ashes. Inside the teddy bear. Oh, man. So the family reported him, this little urn, but no one's claimed the ashes. <laughs> Something tells me if your final resting place is inside of a teddy bear, no one's going to claim you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that's so sad. Yeah, that's I rough. just, I was expecting you to be like, oh, that happened to me. No. I totally found that at the thrift shop down the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't got that one. No. Okay, <laughs> this is like a little checkbox. What what has Lo- Lobo done? What has Lobo not done? The misadventures okay. of Lobo. <laughs> and dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Maybe that's what we should call this Spark episode. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so 
one thing that I actually saw on a National Geographic special, um, I think they have it in the back. They, it is not currently on display, but they have the soap man. Yep. And um, a couple of other cases uh, when in earlier American history, at least 100 to 200 years ago, people would bury their dead underneath trees. Mm-hmm. That was very common. And when we've started doing construction in the east and um, various other reasons for digging up, maybe a, a tree has died or something like that, people have actually found trees with dead bodies or the roots in the shape of a dead body because the tree is actually consumed the body. And the Smithsonian actually has, I think, two or three bodies in the back of bodies that are preserved that have been turned into soap or they are a, a, a tree's root system that mm-hmm. is in the shape of a body. And in this case, when Hurricane Sandy swept through Connecticut, hey, Ta-da. it's your backyard. Yep. It knocked down hundreds of trees, and one of them revealed the morbid secret that had been hidden for centuries, twisted, tw- twisted within its roots. Numerous human remains were found. Further investigation revealed the area had been a burial site for yellow fever victims. Yep. I remember when this happened because Roe immediately sent me a text. Is this near you? <laughs> you got to go check it out. Yeah, it's about 20 minutes like from that. here. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so this did happen to you. It's right around the corner. It was it was weird because when Hurricane Sandy ripped through here, there was a lot of trees down and just a lot of a lot of weird things were blown in during the storm. Like normal, you know, we have some um, some fish show up in the river systems that aren't typically here. Uh, mm-hmm. Birds are blown from areas you know farther south. They make their way up here, so you expect to hear something odd from a hurricane. Like every single time. I remember the first hurricane that I went through was um, back when I, I think it was 1989 is the first one that I really, really remember as being something. Oh no, was it 89? Maybe it was, maybe it was 84, or 83. I can't remember. It was bad. It was a bad hurricane. And we had, it was, we were living in the new house or, you know, the house that I eventually ended up in growing up in. So it had to be, it had to be like maybe. Mm-hmm. 80, it was in the 80s, late 80s, and yeah. I remember trees going over during that period of time, and one of the farms near the house, when, when you're on a farm, when something breaks or something dies, the old farmers used to just dig a hole and bury it. They didn't care. Yeah. And yeah. a couple of the really big oak trees went over, and there were there were mule bones and cow bones mixed with tractor parts, and tires and we're like holy cow so do what you gotta do yeah well i can understand that but when you have something like this for hurricane sandy and it's it's stuff that's been buried for a long long time just pop up right it's really cool of course but (laughs) of course it is (laughs) dead body parts i'm there to the logomobile ta-da like some <laughs> half-assed Batmobile thing. It's a green it 76 on. Gremlin. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Hop in, bro. We're going to go look at body parts. You can drive him in the background, and I can call Shelly and show her pictures. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. He would throw up, too. I know he would. <laughs> that poor soul. Yeah. Uh, speaking of poor souls, here's a good one. So... In a previous episode, I was talking about uh, a man who had died in the West. He had been shot several times, and his body had been mummified, mm-hmm. and he had been traded around so often that eventually someone thought he was a decoration and put him in a horror ride for a traveling carnival. Oh. And he is now in a Seattle curiosity shop, so you can go in and see him. Uh, he's, he's actually pretty fascinating. I've got pictures of him. Uh, but yeah, there's a dead body sitting in an antique shop on the pier in Seattle. That is so cool. But again, here's, yeah, you should go sometime. It's really, really an awesome shop. They've got an Inca um, mummy, mummy. I think they have an Inca a basket mummy as well, a sacrificial basket mummy. Those are cool. But there's, yeah, they are. They are. Here's another case where a family from Illinois, they turned a local house into a haunted house. 
in their neighborhood, but the house got scarier because the 71-year-old man had died in the house during the attraction, and no one had noticed him because they thought he was a decoration. So it took three weeks for them to finally realize that, oh, he's not part of the haunted house. How do you Oh, crap. How do you not know that that's... I don't know. The the human body starts smelling after like the first three days. Yeah. I... I, That's my understanding as well. I've got a girlfriend that's a a mortician and she'll tell me that if you don't get them in within, I think it's a few hours. Mm -hmm. um, Not a few hours, sorry. Let's say six or seven hours then the decomposition gets to the point where you're going to smell it. Oh, yeah. You'll never forget that smell and either. It's gonna get worse. Right. Um, from what I understand, it's like sweet, sticky barbecue. Yeah, it is, um, it, it, it is a very sweet, sickening smell. You Once you've smelled death and decomposition, you will never forget that smell, ever. Yeah, I bet you don't. Do yeah. you? No, it doesn't smell like (laughs) it doesn't smell like anything else. Like there's nothing else that smells quite like that. I mean, I've smelled some. Actually, gone to it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have. Um, But it's like, to your point, I'm a person that the only smell I know of of death is the formaldehyde and the different things Mm -hmm. because I've only seen the human body inside of a mortuary. Mm-hmm. after they've taken care of it. And uh, when I've seen, like, dead, roadkill, anything like that, you know, I live in the the Midwestern states. You drive right past it because you're too busy trying to get to the next gas station 30 or 40 miles down the road. You don't care. <laughs> right, right, right. So <clears throat> the idea of not being able to think, that, that's, that's not a smell I normally smell in a haunted house because I don't know. Oh actually remember an attraction including vile smells no i mean i've i've been through attractions where they have like the smell of like funeral lilies or dirt yeah mm-hmm. you know formaldehyde yeah. you know yeah uh, that smell. The sp- i don't mind the smell of formaldehyde <laughs> i do but that's because i've tasted it yeah i smoked it so I get it. I understand. Why the hell did you smoke formaldehyde, uh, sir? There, I used to have a friend of mine that used to make wet this pot that was dipped in formaldehyde. And that can get you really high. Okay. Why would you do that? Um, Just enjoy the pot. Why the formaldehyde? It, it, it gave you a different – it was a different kind of high. It's hard to explain. I, just, I, I know I'm not the only one who's had it before. The conversation, the more regret I have. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I had, I had no clue that people did this. Oh, yeah, so it absolutely. gives you a different high. Yeah, it's uh it's it's not a um it depends on who you talk to. A lot of people say it's not an enjoyable high. Mm-hmm. It kind of the stuff I had makes you like not really paranoid, but like just you're out of sorts. You're not like that laid back kind of uh dude, I'm high. Really really high. You're like on edge. Like out of it. Like, I don't – the stuff's called wet. I mean, you can look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good – none of it's a good idea. In retrospect, I'm lucky I'm even alive, so. Yeah, I was going to say, okay then. <laughs> <Yeah>. Moving on. <laughs> yes, please. Let's move this train along. Let's see here. Here's a good one. How about furniture with dead bodies in it? <laughs> When Bristol resident Alan Durick let a homeless man, Dennis Preen, crash on his couch, he didn't have the foggiest idea how generous his effort would end up. Preen, who had just finished a hearty drinking session, died on the sofa. Derek was reportedly too scared to tell anyone about the death and just turned the sofa over and forgot about the dead man. Preen's body was discovered inside the sofa 10 years after Derek moved out. So how do you... What kind of sofa do you have that you can just turn it over and forget? I don't know. Like, it's going to be lumpy, squishy, smelly. Yeah, I mean, you. yeah. I mean, even if you open it up and, like, shove them underneath the pillows, it's not going to be a comfortable yeah. sit. 
even if it was like a sleeper one, the ones that you you can bring out the bed and then you're like, okay, uh, I don't want to admit to anyone that I had a homeless man in my home, apparently. So right. I'm just going to fold this bed back up and call it good. Like, how often was that man sitting there watching football and he's just it's like, oh, yeah, squishy. I really should take care of this. Oh, well, nah, just have another beer and forget about it. Yeah, I don't, I just, mm. <laughs> I don't know. And then he moves out. He's like, you want the couch? Seriously, you can have the couch. I don't want <laughs> Yeah, that's I don't I don't know, man. That's I mean, I have friends that have died at people's houses from overdosing, but you know, right. the, the longest they've been. I, one of my friends, he's since overdosed as well, but mm-hmm. he had a buddy of his fall out at his place, and he wigged out and left the house, went and got a bunch of bundles, and he himself overdosed. He didn't die that night, but his his buddy died. In his house. The cops were called. They had to go and get it. He wasn't held culpable because, you know, the guy overdosed. And then he was found overdosed. But, yeah, that's like... I've I've had a lot of friends and acquaintances die from overdose or drinking themselves to death or whatever. Only a handful have been, like, left in people's houses or cars. And not for an extended period of time. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and check the box of, yes, Lobo knows about <laughs> bodies and furniture. Sorry for your loss, because I'm a tactful person like that. <laughs> oh, my God, man, the life experiences you've had. This is why we have the spark. Yeah. Because Lobo. Just because. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one that perplexed you and I both. And I'm trying to figure this out. Maybe the listeners can help out. But a mailman in Pennsylvania was on his route when he found a strange package at the bottom of a mailbox. Yeah. First, the package, which had no address or stamps, was thought to be a bomb. So authorities were brought in to investigate. Understandably so. After the bomb-sniffing dogs gave the okay, they found a metal box with a weird label inside the package. On the label, there were years, names of individuals, and the box was the cremated ashes of those people. Yeah. So... I'm assuming this is a P.O. box. Maybe. So maybe? I don't know. It sounds well, like it was, was like a no, drop box. Was on so, okay. I know for a fact that some mortuaries, if someone is, let's say, uh, brought in, unclaimed for whatever reason, they'll cremate them and put them in a box and hope that they do get claimed. Sure. I think. Ink. So, do they just like combine all of them into a box and they're like, hey, uh, Lobo. <laughs> Best of uh, luck. I feel like since spring cleaning, let's go put this in a drop box. Yeah, that seems shady. That seems like, you know, some mortuary had a dude that was just like, you know, Joe fuck off. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> just puts a bunch <laughs> of stuff in the box and just ditched it like, man, I got to get rid of this. Where's a good place? This looks good. You know, it's a drop box. I'm sure someone will know what to do with it. Yeah, dude, that seems like I a half baked idea. <laughs> no, maybe they had had some of that pot you were talking oh, about. Oh man, <laughs> Illy. Man. That that is such a terrible name. Wet. That's not appetizing. Uh, Obviously, the product isn't appetizing either. People buy it. <laughs> Yeah, they do. So, it's got to be kind of appetizing. Oh, speaking of appetizing, in October 2013, the body of a man who officials suspect might have been trying to break into a convenience store in North Carolina was discovered inside the the building's air conditioning system. The corpse (laughs) had already decomposed as the store had been closed for months, so the body had been stuck in the duct for quite some time. Oof. Okay, so we were talking about the smell earlier. Mm-hmm. You imagine if you came back and you're like, time to open the store. Yeah, see, I, was the ductwork running? Because that's, that's actually a good question. Because if it was running, it's going to draw that outside, and that's going to draw not only animals but people. You're going to smell that. 
You know what I mean? Ew. No, I don't, because this doesn't happen to me, Lobo. (laughs) All I know is the sweet smell of formaldehyde. Oh, Jesus. Lord. That's great. Sweet smell of formaldehyde. That's all I know. Oh. I don't I don't know the, the decomposition. So this is actually something that I think you and I, if we had been on this tour together, I think you would have thought of the same thing. But Mr. Shelley and I were down in New Orleans. We were enjoying a uh, a walking tour for the mafia. They were describing the different areas of the, that the mafia had actually operated in New Orleans, the different FBI raids that had been conducted. And at one point, the guy tells me that the mafia are rather fond of New Orleans, not only because, well, it's the Big Easy, but because the ocean meets the Mississippi there. Mm-hmm. There are some underground, or pardon, um, under the surface, the water churns like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And he tells me, he goes, you know, there are spots on this river that if you accidentally tripped and fell in, they would never find your body because you would churn until you finally just fell apart. Yeah. And then the fish would come to get you. They won't even send scuba divers down there because those people will die. They'll yeah. get sucked under and they, and they just churn and churn and churn. I'm looking over at Mr. Shelley. I'm like, Chuck, did you just hear that? And he goes, what? And I raised my hand, and I was like, we're on a tour for the mafia, right? The the history of the mafia in New Orleans? And the guy was like, yeah. Yeah. And everyone else turns to me, and they're like looking at me like I'm crazy. And I say, did you just give instructions on how to get rid of a body that will never be found? (laughs) On a tour for the mafia. And he goes, I didn't say that i just said that if you accidentally fell in they'd never find you that's awesome like, <laughs> that's no one else takes awesome. it to the next level no See? One, everyone, everyone else is like no why would we do that see it's not just me see it's not just me no you would have heard that too wouldn't you oh absolutely and then yeah, i'd be like hmm who can i accidentally push in <laughs> yeah you know it's like oh gee I don't like this in-law anymore. Would you like to go to New Orleans? I know a lovely spot by the river to watch the sunset. Yeah, let's go have a picnic. Oops. <laughs> yeah, they've never heard from again. You can never find the body. That's just great. Yeah. The only problem nowadays is you don't need a body anymore. What? You used to need a body. If you murdered somebody, they used to have to be able to find a body. Nowadays, uh, you don't need that, you know? They can get you for probable no, I cause. No, Tell yeah. me more, Lobo. <laughs> I am not tapped at all. Tell me about this. I, I, I'm going to not t- say any more. <laughs> <laughs> Checkbox for another one Lobo knows oh. about. Oh, boy. All right. Well, how about <laughs> this? Photographic evidence. So, let's see. Railroad tracks are a very common location of deaths in mm-hmm. Rich. Richmond, Virginia, uh, but it's kind of unique. A Google Maps Street View car was going through, and the a crime scene with a corpse investigators was accidentally captured and appeared on the Internet before they realized. So, unfortunately, it was a 14-year-old boy who had been killed near the track. Oof. And the family accidentally stumbled upon the image four years later. Oh, that's rough. And Google was like, oh, oh, our bad. Wow. Uh, Yeah, so apparently they've removed it since then. I mean, the thing is, is with the Google Street View, they've captured so many interesting things just going around. There was one girl that found out that her boyfriend was cheating on her from Google Images. She ended up dumping him because it had been him walking around with another girl in 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 a very intimate position just like his arm wrapped around her or something it's obviously not a a relative or anything like that um but yeah that's that poor family right yeah in fact um i'm reading this autobiography about uh houdini Mm -hmm. or i guess it wouldn't be an autobiography he didn't write anything i don't think at least not not about his own life 
Um, but he, it, it breaks my heart because I had always admired him for his war against the spiritualists. But it turns out that in his early career, he had actually been a spiritualist. He had mm. dabbled in it. He and his wife could make money. So one night, he, they, what their, what their show would be is that she would be the medium and he would do parlor tricks to make it look like she was summoning a spirit. And their, uh, their angle was that and figure out a recent case in that town. Okay. Uh, like a recent murder case. And, and she would act as if she actually been possessed by the spirit of the murdered person. And he would like try and get the name of the murderer and everyone in the town would be, be like mortified that they knew so many details. Uh, but one night when they had done that, then a young woman who had been stabbed multiple times in her family's parlor and they never did find her and her parents were in the audience. Oh, and when Jeannie and his wife were backstage, they came back and really ripped them a new one. And they they scolded him, understandably so, telling him how disgusting that was to make money off of their poor daughter's death. Yeah. And from there on out, avowed never to do the act again. That's rough. So he learned his lesson. Yeah, that was it was disgusting to have done that to get money. Um, and awful. he knew it. And later in his life, he made it a very, very important part of his career to uh, dis, uh, disband those ideas, disprove them. Oof. Of course, it was it was personal at the time too, because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. his wife, had claimed that he had summoned uh, or had gotten in touch with Houdini's mother, who had passed, and. She did. She was a fraud. Yeah, I remember. And so he went on. Yeah, Houdini had a. Uh, God, I just watched an episode on uh, a YouTube special that was about mm-hmm. him because they talked about uh, the one time that someone had claimed to get in touch with Houdini's mother. Uh, Houdini's mother didn't speak English and wouldn't have been able to. Um, say the words that were uh they had a code Houdini and his mother if you ever you know these are the words that I expect to hear from you it was messed up I remember watching yeah. that see the number one thing was that she was an automatic writer yep. so when she got in touch with the dead she claimed that she could write uh mm. what they were saying and the problem was, this is one, she was a Hungarian, yep. so she only spoke German. And two, when she wrote in German, she never crossed her T's or dotted her I's or J's. Hmm. And his, his wife not only wrote in English, but she did all of those things that his, his mother never did. And it didn't contain the kind of language that he would anticipate to hear. There you go. And the thing is, is he had also sought after uh, spiritualists after his father died because there had been a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And he was desperate to find it because they were tapes. And, again, it was a bunch of frauds, and no one was able to tell him where the life insurance policy was. So he had been burned multiple and. I appreciate and love Houdini with all my heart because he was a man that went on the absolute war path after that. So, yeah, with good reason. Oh, okay, that was complete distractions. Sorry. No, it's I, fine. If Houdini, I just want to keep going and going and going. I loved that man. With good reason. <laughs> I mean, he was an admirable man. Yeah, yes, he was. Let's see here. Let's go from admirable to disgusting. Let's Sounds do it. Like... Okay. So this could probably be safe for our Thanksgiving special. <laughs> uh, apparently, there have been body parts found in fast food. Mmm. 2002, a Michigan boy, hey, up by Rogan, 
found a theme. Which up to Arby's. Following an investigation, it was found one of the restaurant employees had lost her finger in a meat slicing accident and ended up in a kid's meal. Oh. Mm. Protein. It's good for you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Put a sauce on it. It doesn't matter what it's made out of. Didn't we talk about a serial killer that had bragged about uh, setting up a little barbecue yep. mm-hmm. truck and feeding people? Yeah, we did. Oh, so disgusting. <laughs> we did. So what do you got as our last article or last bit you know, of information? Last one, <laughs> you know, I, let's stop with the shoebox. Okay. In 1886, a large shoebox was discovered under some trees in a rural area outside of Wallingford, Connecticut. Woo-hoo, so how far shoebox is that from- murderer! After the box was opened, a naked male torso was found inside. Wait, what? Yeah, how big are shoeboxes? It's not. It was a. It was back then. A shoebox was. It was actually a crate. It would have been what you put the shoeboxes oh. into. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I'm thinking, like, the little ones you get at Payless. I'm like, how small is this dude? (laughs) Tom Thumb. A month later, a local farmer... Wow. A month later, a local farmer found the missing arms and legs. Since the victim's head was never found, his identity and the circumstances of his death remained a mystery. So that sounds like you're familiar with that one? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, If you go up Route 68, uh, Route 68 is about a mile from my house. You go up Route 68, and just before you get into Cheshire, the next town... Uh, it's called Shoebox Lane. That's the name of the road. <laughs> that's where they found the body. They named it after it? Yeah, Oh, my absolutely. God, that's disgusting. Yeah, Shoebox Lane. I've been down that road numerous times. I remember when uh, Alicia and I were dating, I brought her out there and told her the story. She said, get me out of this place. Get oh, me out. my God. Oh, my God. That's how you woo women? That's how well, you wooed your wife? Well, I, I kind of bought her, but yeah. <laughs> what? She was a waitress. Yeah, I. It's a joke. I mean, I didn't actually oh buy God. her. But I'd go, I'd go in after meetings and uh, I'd sit down for a cup of coffee and I'd buy the coffee and I'd leave like a forty dollar tip. <laughs> so you know. Gee. Too I think much? I made out on that deal. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! That, I, I'm pretty sure here, logo. With your little uh, gremlin mobile that you jump in for this episode, I'm I, that was about fifty-fifty, where you, you could relate to these stories. Yeah, it's kind of frightening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I I gotta go. <laughs> well, this is at this, this point. Number, right? <laughs> at this point, I would normally say. You know, here's a chance for you to say where people can find you, but you're on Facebook. I wish you would start a blog or Facebook. something. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe. For now, I'll just pop in and, and dump stories about dead bodies and various things in, in Project Archivist. I love having <laughs> you on. It's a lot of fun. It's great. I appreciate you inviting me on. To talk about my favorite thing in the whole wide world, apparently. Yay. But compared to you, I don't. <laughs> you're wait, you're a rank right novice. Off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Wow, you're the I don't man know. that seems to have all the life experiences. I don't, I don't know if that's a mantle I want to hold for very long. I gotta start hanging out with some more morbid people. I think. Where are you gonna find more morbid people than Project Archivist, sir? I, Where? I honestly don't think I can. <laughs> I think we're a great lot. <laughs> I think so. I think so. We got a good family going on there. Yeah, I agree. So once again, my friend, Living Dead Girl, thank you so much for your insights and your input. And my abject horror. Thank yeah. you, everybody. <laughs> and with that, we'll call a spark a wrap. Thank you. Who is this irresistible creature who has an insatiable love for the dead?
And then I'll introduce you. Now, are you? Do you want me to introduce you as Mrs. Sh- Miss Mrs. Mrs. Chuck? No, 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 no. Mrs. Mr. Shelley's wife. Mr. Shelley's wife. That's where we're going. <laughs> well, the last time you were on, you weren't. You're not Mrs. Chuck. He's Mr. Shelley. <laughs> well, I thought it would be nice and equal. I, if I'm Mrs. Chuck, then he's Mr. Shelley. Oh, good. Okay. Very good. That's fine. I also go by you. I I like the Living Dead Girl con- uh, nickname, but I don't right. know how that flies on your search. No, that's fine. Plus, Ro can put that nickname or pardon that theme song in for me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, 